Hi, everybody. I'm Aisha. And I'm Hera. And we're the Mocha SMCs. So we just wrapped our Valentine's Day event, and it was beautiful. You all were beautiful. We want to take a moment to say thank you to all of the women who attended the event. Yeah, thank you so much. We get so much energy from y'all. It was so great to see everyone's faces and to hear everyone's voices. I just so appreciate this community. Yes, me too. So during the event, we shared a Women's Day list, the 10 ways for single moms to rock Valentine's Day. And as we were reading that list, we realized that it was not for us. So we rewrote that list the mocha way. So before we get into how we rewrote the list, and we we had help from all of those who attended the event, so we basically compiled our top 10. But before we get into the top 10 group consensus from the MOCAs, let's go into what the original list looked like and share some thoughts on why this didn't quite work for us. All right. So number one on the list was throw a slumber party for your kids. Now, the author said this is relaxing, fun, and silly. I do not see that as relaxing. What do you think, Aisha? No, not with my two octopi. No. Yeah, no thanks. Um, All right. (laughs) Number two was to volunteer. Now, this sounds amazing, and I'm all about volunteer, but we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I'm not really sure what kind of volunteer we're talking. No, I'm sleepy. (laughs) All right. Number three, let your kids make dinner. So... Both Aisha and I have really little kids, um, seven and under, and I think our consensus was that, no, we don't want our kids doing it at this point. However, the ladies um, made us realize that this might be very age-specific. So if your child is eight years and older, it might be worth taking that risk. Yeah, my 20-month-old digs up her nose. No, thank you. Ew, yeah. Mm, No. All right. Uh, number four was reward your support network. Now, this is so great in theory. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm tired. Like after I finished doing like the kids stuff, like you want me to think about like the rest of my community, my support network is huge. I'd like to lean on my support network. <laughs> uh, all right. So number five, make a music video about love. No, thank you. Yeah. I feel like that sounds like a lot of work. Um, Number six, get a pet. So I have personal experience with this in that we, we have a pandemic puppy and I love our puppy. However, on a regular basis, probably every day I threaten to bring him back to the pound because he's a lot. And I don't know. Get a pet sounds like something that's going to be extra work. It doesn't sound like a relaxing thing to me at all. Did I mention I have a 20 month old? No, thank you. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Number seven, go on adventure. So also pandemic. I don't know what kind of pandemic adventures folks are going on, but they're talking about zip lining and things of that nature, which sound amazing. But right now, none of that. February on the East Coast. Need I say more? Yeah, it's cold. No. Um, visit an elder. Also, it's the pandemic. <laughs> I don't know who's getting visited. He's certainly not visiting an elder in a uh, a retirement home because it's the pandemic. Nope. A 20-month-old can't wear a mask and goes to daycare. Not killing grandma. 
All right. So play truth or dare. This one I found fascinating because I, I love playing games with my kids. Don't get me wrong. We play hide and seek all the time, but like truth or dare really like who's playing truth or dare with their kids. Like, I don't want my kids asking me anything. The six-year-old struggles with truth and there's (laughs) not a thing that she has not attempted to do. So no, thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So last but not least, be your own Valentine, which I frankly found a little bit depressing. Yeah, no, clearly not the mocha way. Uh, that said, my seven-year-old did tell me that I did not have to be my own Valentine, that she would do it for me. She was like, mama, you can be my Valentine. So I felt a little bit better after that. All happy right. Valentine's so, Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Aisha. I'm so glad that we have, we got to spend it with our ladies. This is actually like one of the best Valentine's Days that I've ever had because I got to spend it with my girls and um, we drank some wine. You know, we chatted, we talked about fertility, you know, what other, what, what other amazing things can you do on a Valentine's Day? I mean, come on, that's awesome. <laughs> we rewrote the list. All right. So now we get to our list, which again, uh, we, we had a chat um, and we popped out the chat and everybody was putting in their, you know, their top, what would you want to do? And so we, 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 we brought together the top 10 and so start us off, Aisha. So first of all, did I mention I have a 20 month old, an uninterrupted nap? Yes, that was a huge one. Several of the women were talking about how they wanted two to three hours uninterrupted. I mean, honestly, I can't even, I have not had a nap in so long that I didn't even think about this. But as soon as they said it, I was like, oh, yes, I was like snapping and just totally feeling it. I I love it. So number two was shopping bonus for black owned businesses. Yes to that. Mm -hmm. So number three of the spa day. Yes, yes, yes. And so while one woman mentioned Korean spa, which is awesome. uh, We also had some ladies chime in that if you can't make it to an actual spa because of the pandemic, there's things you can do like give yourself a facial and maybe take a hot bath Um, you know, anything you can do to pamper yourself for at home spa day, perhaps get your kid to rub your feet. I would actually, you know, my kid could probably rub my feet, but maybe not make me dinner. Yeah. Um, uh, this one was have your older child eight years or older cookie dinner. Yes. (laughs) I do not have an eight year old yet. However, next year I'm going to try this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five was get family to watch the kids or friends, anybody in your community. Um, the, the community that Aisha and I were saying that we weren't going to like get gifts for. <laughs> I will definitely lean on them. <laughs> hey, if you watch my kids, I will get you some flowers. Uh, let's see. Number six, dessert and good wine. Yes. Yes. Wine and chocolate. Yes. Wine and chocolate. A key to a woman's heart. Yes, please. Um, seven, hop onto online dating sites for some quick validation slash adult conversation. This one was actually pretty funny and we all got a pretty good laugh about it. Um, 
I will say that I have recently dipped my toe into the online dating world and it is terrifying, um, yet slightly validating. So I get it. Yeah, I am. The whole validation part, like you have to have a real sense of humor. So yes, humor on Valentine's Day. Yes, hopping up yes. online dating site. Yes, date okay, with no. <laughs> And number eight, get yourself some fancy coffee. Yes, fancy coffee while it's hot. Mm-hmm. That someone else makes. I am all yeah. about the someone else making. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, number nine, order takeout so you don't have to cook. So this is like, I mean. It's a nice treat, right? To have someone else make you dinner and you don't have to have a boyfriend for someone to make you dinner. You can just really get takeout and it's like almost as good, right? Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I'm all for it. (laughs) Take out from a a fancy restaurant. Yeah. So finally, drum roll. <laughs> Eat and drink what you want without having to share with your kids. And my own personal favorite, one lady said, crab legs and margaritas, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> people, my people. <laughs> this was so fun. Thank you guys for joining us. And we really hope that you join us on our la- our next live event. Um, we are going to try to have them at least quarterly mm-hmm. can't make any promises because you know, the babies and all the time. Um, but we really appreciate everyone hopping in and, you know, really just sharing a part of themselves and having a great time. So now we will get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks everyone. So welcome to the Mocha SMC podcast. I'm Aisha and I'm Hera. And we are the Mocha SMCs. So we're two Black single mothers by choice who are working to unpack all of the things surrounding this non-traditional path. And in this episode, we're going to discuss estate planning, which is pretty much a necessary evil for an SMC. So I say necessary evil because no one wants to really think about the possibility of not being here for these babies that we work so hard to bring into our lives. But it's so important that we do exactly that. Um, So as always, we do recommend that you do your research, you follow up any advice that we offer with a consultation with an actual lawyer, um, because this information can vary state by state. So Hera, bring in your attorney. (laughs) So I will tell you um, that this this topic is particularly timely for me, um, because I think I mentioned to to the group and to you that I had a mammogram um, mm-hmm. recently because my uh, my doctor during my annual found a lump, which she thought was a lump. Um, and so I had a, a health scare. And, you know, for a couple of weeks, you know, I was just like, should I should I, you know, go ahead and just get the mammogram because I'm still nursing my my youngest. Um, she's toward the tail end of it. But my primary care physician gave me the impression that I could not get a mammogram until I were was three months past um, nursing. Um, and so I took it to the group. I'm like, hey, mamas, you know, help me with this dilemma. And so a few of the more um, experienced moms told me that I didn't have to wait until the baby was weaned, that I could just pump before and still go get my mammogram. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
I verified this with a lactation consultant who verified it. So I had three um, second opinions. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then so I finally went this week to get my mammogram, I pumped and dumped. And you know, it's all clear. So so Yay. I'm good. I'm healthy. Um, but that was a scare. And the, the thing that made me kind of a little bit okay with it was that I knew that I had a solid estate plan that was executable upon my untimely demise. So let me first say, I'm so excited. I'm so happy that it all came back clear. That's really great news. Um, And I'll also mention that I think it's really good that you got like a second and third opinion because it's pretty crappy that like one doctor who clearly had no idea was like telling you to wean your baby because I mean, breastfeeding is such a personal decision and, you know, all of our kids act different, right? And just cold turkey weaning can be so hard, you know, you just won't sleep basically, right? And so, you know, what stress can do to your body and, you know, the baby being stressed. And so I'm really, I think it's a really good advice that when you hear something like that from your doctor to just make sure that you, you know, ask people who know, like a lactation consultant would be way more knowledgeable about this than potentially your primary care doctor might be. So just make sure you get a second opinion. Yep. So let's dive into what's an estate plan. That's a good question. So (laughs) I, I feel bad because like I, you know, I, I did a lot of pre-planning before I took this path, but admittedly I was a little bit remiss in doing this part early enough mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I just didn't want to think about it. Right. And I just, I just kind of made the assumption, probably a naive assumption that like, oh, like my family will just know what's best. Yeah. But as my kids started getting a little bit older, I just had this sort of nagging feeling where I was like, look, I don't want anything to happen to me and chances are nothing will happen. But if it does, like, I want to be able to speak beyond the grave about some of these things. Yeah. And if I don't, do this, I can't, right? So even if like it just helps me sleep at night knowing that I put down in writing, even if most of my family members agree with me, right? And they uh, they know because we have these conversations, I still was like, I'll feel better if I have it down. Right. So eventually yeah. I did, but it took me, it took me until after baby number two, which is pretty sad to actually do it. <laughs> yeah, I will say um so so um for me, so first of all, estate planning is the process of making sure that all of your legal documents are in place and executable before you become disabled or die. And so it tells the court how um, how you want your monies and your assets and your, your, your children um, handled after your death, right? And so for SMCs, you wanna make sure all of that is taken care of because mm-hmm. you're the only parent. And so I will say, before I started having, um, When I was going through the trying phase, I was actually on the um, national forum. And so, you know, they're pretty, you know, militant about this checklist. Do this, do this, do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and like many going through and having to to plan out my death as I am Mm -hmm. gestating this child, you know, is a bit nerve wracking. Um, But what I did was I was like, I knew that I wanted something in place. Um, Mm -hmm. with my specifications before I went into delivery with my first. And so 
I did just that. So I quickly hopped on um, to LegalZoom to get something um, set up that I knew would be executable. And it was a step-by-step, fairly simple process. Um, once you're done with um, stating all of your um, requirements, and some of them were quite funny, looking back at my 37-year-old self, um, but then you just get the documents, they, they draw them up for you, they send them to you, they're executable, you just need to go ahead and get it notarized and get the signatures. And so I did that. And I had that in place before I delivered um, my first daughter. And then I updated it before I delivered my second daughter, just in case, you know, I didn't return from the hospital. Um, so yeah, so yeah you so. were, you were much more uh, squared away as a parent than me. <laughs> and I, I waited until my second daughter was born and I actually went through an attorney um, and it, and it was mostly because at my older daughter's school, they had a, they had a auction and they were auctioning off like estate planning. And so I was like, wait a second, I guess I still haven't done this. And I had totally planned on doing legal zoom at some point. I just haven't pulled, I hadn't pulled the trigger. And so I was like, okay, there's no better time than now. And so the, the attorney sent me this whole huge document, right? Like it was very detailed and it actually made me feel really weird because it wasn't just, you know, like what's happening after your, you know, what's happening with the kids. Like there were all these considerations. Like it, it was literally like, who do you want to have your wine collection? Right. Like it was just like all kinds of stuff. And I was like, whoa, me, I'll take uh, you know, right. I had like several friends that were like, can I have the wine collection? And I was like, you're just like pawning off my stuff. Like after, you know, before I'm even gone, like, but then I also, some of the questions that he asked, I thought um, really made me think about um, about a lot of things, right? Like for me personally, it's not just about who you want to have custody of your kids. Mm -hmm. It's also who you want to manage your money. And it may not be the same person, right? It shouldn't be the same. Exactly. And so, um, so for me, I also wanted to make sure that everyone in my family who I cared about had some kind of veto power, like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I'm, re- I, I'm really close to my sister, for example, and I trust her a lot with finances. Uh-huh. Um, she tends to be the type of person who's like, very, um, I don't know if stingy with her own money is the right way to say it. Like, she's just uh-huh. very financially uh, set, right? Like, yeah. she's always, you know, she's always making sure she has money and savings, and things like that. So I'm like, okay, like, if I, if I died, I would definitely want her to have some kind of, you know, like, uh, oversight basically. Right. Right. Um, and I also know that she cares about my kids, you know, just as much as I do. And, um, you know, obviously my parents are, are a big part of my parenting plan right now. And so I wanted to make sure that they maintained, you know, just the, the, physical presence and also, you know, basically primary custodians if something were to happen to me. And so I also like my attorney kept saying, he was like, okay, what if they're dead too? And I was like, oh my gosh. And so like, you know, I had like a, like a first choice, a second choice. And like, if everyone in my family is in a car together and we all die and the kids happen to survive, like, I mean, it was like, it was very disastrous, you know, but at the same time, like, necessary, which is what makes it so hard. 
Yes. Yes. And so I don't know about you. So I did get the long list of, you know, the, the questionnaire to fill out. And so, like you said, that that's a process. So that took me about two weeks to kind of like sit down, get all my documents together. And so what I got, I got an estate plan package, which included a will, an advanced medical directive, a general power of attorney, and then guardianship um, for my kids. And then also, what I would add here with a big star in terms of estate planning um, is you want to make sure that you have life insurance mm-hmm. um, as well. And so those would be the, the the top five things that I say you definitely want to have in place in case you don't return from delivery. Right. And mm-hmm. so and and so. So, yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. Um, OK, so. So I also think like to the point of life insurance, it made me think a lot about generational wealth because a lot of the questions that they asked were basically like, how much are you worth? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, and it made me feel very uh, weird because it almost, as I was going through it, I was like, this was written for white people. And I know it sounds bad, right? But at the same time, I'm like, you know, a lot of us and and I, I, I don't want to generalize because I know blackness isn't monolithic, but you know, I know a lot of white people with old money, like they have trust funds and they have like, you know, their parents bought them their first house and they're debt free. And, and so Uh like, as I'm going through this, I'm like, geez, like I've got the student debt, I have the mortgage. And like, I started thinking about all of the bills that would have to be covered, you know, should something happen to me. And I was like, I need to start thinking about, you know, for example, the life insurance. Like, I can't just go with the basic plan through my company. Like, I have to make sure that it's extra because they're going to need the extra because I don't have a trust fund. Right, <laughs> and neither right. do they, through, right? Through, through their life. So let, let's talk money just a little bit about this. Okay, so I will be a bit transparent in terms of what I paid. Um, so I, I talked about going through LegalZoom for the first two deliveries, right? And then after I had the babies and the dust settled after maternity leave, I was like, okay, now let me make sure this is fully executable in the court of law, you yeah. know, doing everything 100% <laughs> right, crossing the the T's dotting the I's, right? So I moved from just kind of making sure that I had my intent stated, signed, documented, you know, but, you know, still fingers crossed. And so then when I was ready and everything had settled, I went to an actual law firm attorney and got that estate plan with all of the T's dotted, the bells and whistles. And so for me, on the East Coast, that cost me about um, $2,400. And the amount of time it took me to get my documents done, my engagement with the attorney started in May of 2020, and everything was put together and executed by August of 2020. Um, So that was how long it took for me um, to get my documents. In terms of life insurance, Rule of thumb is that once you start trying to conceive and you know that you're on this path to motherhood, you should probably get a life insurance policy put in place. So I was a bit short of that time frame. I got my life insurance policy at in early 2014. Um, the year that I had my my eldest and, you know, but all of my blood work and everything came back fine. I got, you know, they there's a range that you can get in terms of your policy. So what I did was I calculated what I would get from my job 
And then I calculated what I knew was in my 401k. And then I calculated what I would then need. Um, and then for the duration. So I ended up getting a half million dollar policy for 30 years, which and which ends up covering um, both my girls until my youngest is about 25. Um, and so I'm thinking my um, 401k will only appreciate more. I have a mortgage, you know, that will start to taper off. I am working to get rid of all my debt. So pretty much they will have my assets. Um, and so how about you, Howard? Mm-hmm. So it, it, uh, I think the attorney essentially was, um, I think it was, the package was, was valued at about 2,500 mm-hmm. and, um, So I was doing this right before COVID hit. Like, well, it had hit, but like it hadn't like really hit, right? Like it was like (laughs) early stages where people were still like, you know, going to work. Um, And so my first meeting with the attorney was actually virtual where he went through the, he went through the, all the stuff. Right. And um, interestingly, (laughs) uh, one of the th- one of the considerations even with like life insurance policies and like and all this stuff was that um my attorney was telling me he was like you know you can put stipulations on like when your kids get the money right and i was like mm-hmm. huh and he was like for example you can say you will get this much upon graduation from college or whatever and you know extra and so what i did is that i i allowed them to access money early if they went to college Um, But if they did not go to college, which is, you know, be their choice, they had to wait until like 27 or 28. Right. Okay. Uh Um, And so it kind of gave them a little bit more incentive, like because you potentially essentially could graduate at 22. Right. So if they want to get the money, (laughs) then they're going to have to go to college. Um, So I I did things like that. Um, And after the first meeting where he basically explained all of it, I kind of sat with it for a month or so to just Mm kind of go through. And I also wanted to make sure that everybody in my plan uh, was on board. Right. Because like, I didn't want to make any assumptions. Like, even though my parents right now are part of my parenting plan, you know, I I didn't want to assume that like they would be ready to take on the full responsibility. Right. So I talked it over. Uh, I also chatted with my sister and was like, Hey, are you cool with this? Um, of course, nobody wants to have that conversation, you know, and I also mm-hmm. was just like, hey, so if I die, like I want to be cremated or, you know, like, yeah. and everyone's like, why are we having this talk? And I'm like, look, I'm not, ex- I'm not like expecting to die. This is not a suicide plea or anything. I just have <laughs> right. to like put this in place. Right. And so after I knew everybody was on board, um, I went through, I filled it out. Uh, and then I had to go into the attorney's office to actually notarize it because they had a notary there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, just kind of at that point, he had already prepared the official document based on all the things that I had said. And we chatted about it a little more. And he's like, are you sure? (laughs) And then he kept a copy of it. He gave me several copies. I made sure that everybody on my plan had a copy. Um, And so, so yeah, I mean, I think I still am going to need to update it, right? Because Mm -hmm. as time passes, like if you if your sentiment changes about any of these things, you know, or if you, if you get some red flags from somebody that you may have put in there as like, you know, second or third option, you may be able to uh-huh. rethink that choice because right. it's a huge deal. Uh-huh. Um, but it's hard. Like, I think, I think what that whole process was like for me, it was basically, and, and I guess one of the reasons why I encourage moms to do it before you have kids, like Aisha did, um, I think it's a good 
exercise to go through to really think about your parenting plan as well, right? Yeah. Because yep. it takes a village to raise these kids and those that village is going to be a part of your your backup plan if something should happen to you. Mm-hmm. And those are things that I think you should really think about before you start having the babies because you don't want to have a situation where like baby's here and you're like, oh snap, I'm sick, right? And like, who do I call to come take my baby, right? right. So, so, okay. So I want to zero in on something that you said, you mentioned, um, you know, the first person, second person, the third option. Now I'm assuming you were talking about guardianship. Yeah. So guardianship and also finances, right? Like, because like, I mean, realistically, like I'm super close to my family. So like I could be on a plane with my sister, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and if something happens to both of us, there goes my plan for my financial guardian, right? Right. And so I, you know, kind of basically making sure that everybody who's part of your plan, you know, knows about it. And then also like, you know, my parents aren't young, right? And so Mm -hmm. even though they are you know, who I would designate as the primary guardians, what if something happens to them before I can update my will? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then what the um, attorney was saying is like, you want to make sure that your kids don't go to foster care. Right. Right. Absolutely. So like in order to ensure that you have to make sure that the state knows who you want. Right. Um, Because even though in many situations, they try to find somebody who is related there's a lot of people who I'm related to that I don't want to have my kids, right? right. Who I might actually prefer foster care. Like that sounds terrible, <laughs> but like it's real, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And-, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and this is one of those fraught conversations. Like once you enter into the space of an SMC, there's a lot of conversations you have to have. So being, being self-aware, being mature to have those conversations because you're going to have to settle some people down. You're going to have to dispel some people of their myths and you're just going to have to have to be frank about it, right? I'm going to be dead. So you right. know, y- y'all duke it out. But um, I will say the guardianship, I, I had a guardianship that I had set up when um, I executed my will for Noah, um, my daughter, mm-hmm. um, the, the oldest daughter. And then I changed guardianship because my situation had changed by the time I had my second daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the first set of guardians were my, um, my brother and his wife. Um, and then, and mainly because if Noel was, uh, <laughs> if Noel was going to be only, um, mm-hmm. she was going to be around other kids that mm-hmm. were around her age. And so my um, brother and sister-in-law have three children Um, And the youngest was about, I'd say seven and my youngest, you know, so Mm -hmm. there was about a three year age difference. And so I was just like, yeah, that's fine. You know, and if something happened to me now, she would fit right in. And then by the time I had my second, you know, I started to think differently about the the burden I might be placing Mm -hmm. on that already large family and adding Mm -hmm. two children. And then the age span would be larger between, you know, their kids and my youngest. And so then I needed to do some some different things. And so I kind of watched to see who in my circle was really vested in my kids and, you know, things like 
like that. And so then I chose um, one of my friends to be a guardian. And so, so now that I've chosen a guardian that is a friend of mine who has seen my children, now my next step is to get them to engage more so that my kids are not going to a stranger if something happens. And so then it's like, so now the, the deeper conversation is, okay, when can you come get these kids in the summertime? Because they're going to be spending yep. two weeks with you, right? Just so that that it allows that person to get an understanding of what it is to be a parent mm-hmm. with me not there. So yeah, like, I'm, do I'm you really want you. this? <laughs> I'm trusting you with my kids for two weeks in the summer. Mama's going to party hard. Right. <laughs> but, you know, but you develop your parenting style. You establish a bond with those girls, right? And then you do your thing without me looking over your shoulder, right? Trust your judgment know who they are. God forbid something happens to me. It's it's a smoother transition than just like cold turkey. No mom, here's a stranger. Right. So that was my process. So I also like, when I looked at it, I thought like, who close to me is going to um, reinforce my parenting style. Right. Right. Like I wanted somebody who is going to be like, what would hair do? Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I will say like, I feel very fortunate because the relationship that I have with my mom and my sister, particularly, I mean, they reprimand my kids and I would say 9.99% of the time. I'm like, well, I'm glad you said something because I was about to come over and say it myself. Right. And it's, it's, they know what I would not put up with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel very comfortable that they would they would have me in their head (laughs) and therefore I would be in my children's heads uh, even if I wasn't here. Um, I will say another consideration that the attorney uh, helped me understand was he was like, look, even though you're not going to be here, understand that there may be hurt feelings amongst your family members about whatever choices you've made. Right. Right. And so, uh, you know, cause, cause there were things that I put in there, that were specific to like, Hey, the reason I'm putting this person in charge of this is because I don't want this person in charge of this. Right. And so I had to specify because not that I don't care about someone. Right. But it's more just that like, there's a reason. Right. And so Mm -hmm. just kind of understanding that I may have to have those conversations in the event that something happens so that the people don't have hurt feelings. Cause I don't want people to have hurt feelings, even if I'm not here, especially if it's somebody that I really care about. That's a good point. Um, did, did your attorney talk about how, to, how, how other clients have handled that? Cause I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm not really going to have those conversations. I, I did have the conversation right. when I switched guardian. Um, but I'm more of a letter writer. Mm. In the event of my death, when they read my will, please also read this well-constructed loving letter that I sent to people like you were denied. Right. (laughs) But here's why. And I still love you. You are not the father. (laughs) (laughs) You will never be. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like I, I, I don't know if I'm like, you know, at the point where I'm doing like letters beyond the grave, Uh but I certainly, when I gave my will to the the few trusted individuals um, that I speak about, I let them know why mm-hmm. and kind of explained some of the things in my will that, you know, people might catch feelings about. Very um, good. And I think like, I, I there's never going to be, I mean, look, if something happens to me, it's going to be a sad day, right? Like many people will be very upset in my family because I'm super close to them. Right. 
Two and, people will cry for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I think, you know, I think they, they, after the conversations that I've had, I think everyone will understand mm-hmm. the decisions that I've made because we've had those talks. And I think that my trusted partners mm-hmm. uh, will also be in a good position to explain to people how it's going to work. Okay. All right. So, all right. So we, we have the will in place. We pick the guardians. We have a life insurance policy. Anything else that you would offer in terms of advice to, to SMCs, to women who are thinking about this path in terms of, you know, planning, um, estate planning? So I think that for me personally, like I said earlier in the episode, estate planning is just one of the things that you want to do before you have your kids. And it's like, it's like a part of building your, your financial and, you know, your generational well-being, right? Because mm-hmm. like I said before, look, this is what white people have been doing for centuries, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as black folks, we don't do this kind of stuff enough. We don't think about, okay, generational wealth. How can I make sure that my kids are set and that they, you know, they're taken care of. Uh, and we, and we need to start having these conversations more, especially when we know that our healthcare system system is against us. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that we really have to, to consider. And especially as SMCs, um, think about it as something that you are doing for your kids. Like this is a gift you're giving them because Mm -hmm. you don't want to have them in a situation where, you know, let's say my kids are teenagers and something happens to me. I don't want them to have the burden of, of like figuring this out. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like telling people like, Hey, I want to come live with you. I don't want to come live with you. Like I want them to be able to be kids and know that mama had their back. Right. So I would say I, I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because I think in the the black community, we are, you know, we are really just living like kind of in our generation moment. So in my Gen Z moment, right? So I'm not bringing any wealth from previous generations. I do have the opportunity to influence wealth that I pass on to the next generation and think of it in terms of, I don't have a trust fund to, to outright give to you, but I do have... a year that it costs for my life insurance policy. I can make that investment. I do have the $2,500 that it would take to set up an estate plan in one fell swoop. You know, even if I wait for my income tax to do it, those are two things that I can do to uh, impact positively the wealth that I might hand down to, to my kids. Um, Because I don't want my, my kids or my family to have to set up a GoFundMe, you know, account for my funeral expenses. Um, I don't want them on social media um, if I were to die unexpectedly, or I don't want to be like, you know, that famous person who died without a will and you lose most of your wealth in probate court, right? I just really want to, to ease um, their, their loss um, in any way I can, and then offer them opportunities going into the future. And so that's one way that we can do it. And, and it's, it's just small things. We're not going to hand out a trust fund, but we can start to, to hand them, you know, a little bit of wealth, you know, as I go out the door. So yeah, I would I say in many cases, um, you know, your kids, if you have an untimely death, um, I think your kids also get social security, at least until they're 18. Right. And so that will help 
um, buffer some of the costs for, for the guardians, but, Mm -hmm. you know, on top of it, the life insurance, and and hopefully you have a program through your company as well. I know in my company, uh, we have like the basic life insurance, and then you can get additions onto that, which which right. I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just you know, this is part of sort of building your foundation. And I know for me, it just really helps me sleep better at night knowing that my kids will be taken care of uh, financially and you know physically with guardianship, mm-hmm. um, and. It, it's important. I mean, it's just as important as like making sure you have enough or if not more, making sure you have enough savings, making sure you have a place to live. Like this is all part of, um, this is all, this is all things we have to think about because we don't have a spouse. There's no baby daddy. So if something mm-hmm. happens to you, like it's not going to be an obvious guardianship, right? There's not mm-hmm. going to be a dad to be like, well, of course, you know, the kids will stay with me. Right. Right. Yeah. So you, you did bring up some 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 good points. Um, and if I could just kind of summarize what the financial situation would be if you have an estate plan in place is that you are factoring in right your kids. If you if you die before they're 18, they get Social Security. You also have your 401k if you work at a job that has a 401k or a four or O3B or um, and then you're going to have life insurance from work, which is typically like two to 2.5, 3% of your annual salary, plus whatever life insurance policy you have in place on top of whatever other assets you are handing down. So if you think about it that way, um, you, you want to just go through and check the boxes and make sure that you're setting your kids up right. Um, so so Hera, all right, so thank you for this um, really um, good and timely discussion, you know, and I know it's morbid to talk about your end of life plan, but as SMCs, we really have to make sure that our kids are taken care of. Think of it more as speaking beyond the grave. <laughs> right, right. And we're not putting an, un- <laughs> an undue burden, right, on our remaining family members, um, you know, so uh, when I die, I really want to make sure that I'm able to rest in peace, knowing that my girls are taken care of. Um, and so, and that will hopefully lessen, you know, the loss just a bit. Um, so, it's and that I will come back and haunt you if you do I not will, pay I, attention I will haunt you <laughs> to my, <laughs> to my will and last testament. <laughs> So, Hera and, you know, our pod people, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, thank you again for joining us this week. Um, and so if you if you like what you heard, please share us out on your social media. Tell your grandma, tell your mom, tell your friends, tell your coworkers about our podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Mocha SMC. Like our Facebook page, um, the Mocha SMC podcast. You can search for us. Visit our website, www.mochasmc.com. C.com and join us next time as we continue to discuss this often hilarious journey of being a Black SMC. Bye now. Bye, y'all.